Hello and welcome to Finance HQ. My name is Charles Mills. And I'm Edward Mills. And we're doing this podcast together, father and son. We want to share with you our knowledge, passion and experience in all things finance to help you get the most out of your money. Before we dive in, I think we should probably give a bit of background on ourselves. Good idea. So start with you. (laughs) Age before beauty, you mean? Exactly. Okay. Well, I've been in the financial services industry for 35 years now. I'm a chartered financial planner and indeed a lifelong entrepreneur. In fact, I established the UK's first internet-only wine business. But that, of course, was, ooh, Charles, when you were two, so maybe three. 1999? Probably, yes. Crikey. (laughs) Yeah, a long time ago. In fact, moving swiftly on, I have got a successful UK-based wealth management business and I've come to Switzerland to work with Blackton Financial in Geneva which allows me to offer distinctive end-to-end solutions for people in the UK, Switzerland and beyond. But enough about me, Charles. What about you? Yes, well, it probably won't take quite as long, given I have substantially fewer years to recount. (laughs) But uh, I was born and raised in the UK, and I started working in financial services around five years ago now. A whole five years? Yes, a whole five years. But don't worry, I'll catch you soon. Well, time does fly. (laughs) Yes, uh, I started in marketing and moved to client services. And in the last 15 months or so, I've been taking the necessary qualifications to enter into financial planning, also working with Blackdom Financial here in Switzerland. And that pretty much sums me up. Great. So, Charles, intro's over. How are these podcasts going to work? Well, we're going to begin by releasing regular episodes that could increase in frequency depending on popular demand. Popular demand? Yes, it's very important, you know. Well, of course. And each episode will have three segments, the first of which will be the Finance HQ News Review. Ah, yes. This is looking at relevant articles to our listeners and looking to cut the wheat from the chaff, get rid of the noise in the media and actually provide proper analysis of some of these news articles that are all too light when you see something in the in the newspapers most often. Yes, we'll really aim to get to the points and let you all know what's really going on. Great. This will then be followed by our second segment, which we are calling Finance Focus. Ah, yes. This really excites me. We're going to take one subject per episode and we're going to look at it closely. Anything to do with investing. In fact, eventually we can have our listeners sending in suggestions even. Mm. But we're going to look at anything from sustainable investment to cryptocurrency and really get to the nitty gritty. Yes, this will be not only enjoyable, but also educational and informative. Yeah. And our final section is the finance joke. Yes, this is where we'll leave each episode with a quick one-liner that will hopefully make you laugh. (laughs) Uh, Well, without further ado, Charles, we should move on, I think, to our very first Finance HQ News Review. Yes, well, our first article here is with a YouGov poll, and it's asking the question, is cash still king for high net worth individuals? So before we get into detail, uh, any initial thoughts? <laughs> well, I think uh, my first thought when I saw this is, was cash ever king for <laughs> yes. high net worth individuals? I'm, I mean, you know, apart from the short term, even the medium term, let alone long term, is, mm. is nowhere to keep cash in today's environment, let alone the past, which was also similar in terms of the relativity between cash and non-cash type of investing. Uh, just not, not a great place. But what does the survey say? What's the differences here? Well, this survey is from 1,006 high net worth individuals okay. in the UK, I should add. 
Um, right. And it says 61% of those surveyed uh, have built up extra cash over the last year, which they would have ordinarily spent. So they've okay. all got these, these more savings, more cash. So it's quite a prominent question. What will you do with it? Right. Um, and the answer was actually 27% of them planned to invest the money. Yeah. 41% of them said that they planned to spend this extra cash on things like holidays and home improvements, uh, whilst 18% plan to keep it in cash at the mercy of inflation. <laughs> so 18% don't really know what they want to use the money for, probably. Uh, yeah, 27% just... are very uh, very wise, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's quite. <laughs> it's, it's probably seen as quite a safe haven, I suppose. I suppose that's the key point. Uh, if it's not for the short term then that safety is a mirage, really, based on inflation and cost of living rises. Yes, exactly. And they were all asked the question, if you had £1,000 cash deposited 10 years ago, right. how much do you think that would be worth today? Any guesses? As to the, an- the yes. truth or their answer? Your, your thoughts. <laughs> My thoughts. Uh, well, if you're sitting in cash over 10 years, you're probably in the last 10 years, maybe. I'm guessing you'd have lost, uh, ooh, gosh, at least... 12 or 15% maybe. Yes, well, actually, the respondents to this guessed that it would now be worth an average figure of £1,404, which is representing a 40% gain in real terms. And <laughs> So, truth... hang on, let, sorry, Charles, I've got to interrupt here. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. You're saying that people answered the question, obviously, it, it's in real terms, so after inflation, yes. they're saying they could buy 41% more stuff Yep. with their money, having leaving it in, left it in cash for the last 10 years. So they think. Wow. There's, um, <laughs> there's a bigger market out there than I thought. Yes, but the, the true figure is uh, vastly lower, right. to say yes. the least, at yep. only £877, which means they would have actually made a 12% loss at the prevailing Bank of England base rate. And that's based on, obviously, real terms. So mm. after inflation, inflation has been bigger than the interest on the money, which kind of makes sense and what we've seen evidence of even most recently. Yeah, and so most people don't actually realise that cash would generate a loss in real terms when you're taking into account low rates of interest and higher inflation. Exactly. Interesting stuff. So um, I think if, if we look at actual performance of, of things, it, it, I've, I've got a little chart I've produced, actually, Yep. that I, I'm cribbing from now. I am just uh, <laughs> just want to let listeners know I'm not just an encyclopedia. Um, <laughs> so uh, what we've got is is the last 10 years to, uh, I think it's, set, uh, well, October, actually, October 31st, 2021. And it shows the 90-day cash account in, say, a UK example would be a building society, mm-hmm. uh, but obviously a bank uh, in, in Switzerland would be a similar example. Uh, the average 10-year total interest... I've got to emphasise the word total because it's so ridiculously low, yeah. um, is that that would have generated 8.27% uh, interest over the total 10-year period. Mm-hmm. That's how bad interest rates have been. Wow. But the contrast is the, the rising price of bread and beer or wine and cheese or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'll go for wine and cheese. But anyway, uh, mm-hmm. the consumer price index, the infamous consumer price index with CPI, uh, has gone up 19% just over in the UK. So if you take one from the other, that bears out your survey, doesn't it? About 12% difference. So Mm. £1,000 buys what, uh, well, now what would have been £888, roughly speaking. Yes. Um, The contrast is that if you look at a 10-year period, that is no short length of time. So people can afford to take a view about what they want to do with the money. And if you look at actively managed portfolios, even the stock market with no managing, just the index 
has generated a 120% return, including last year's poor performance, which many people will have seen, obviously. Wow. Yeah. Um, and when you look at actively managed portfolios, such as those, dare I mention, that we have in our own range, um, you've got a return of 155%. That's Ooh. 155%. I mean, you know. Slightly more. Yeah. I mean, if you've got 8% growth or 155% growth, so so you've got £100,000 or Swiss francs, wouldn't matter which, actually, in the context of percentage, would it? No. <laughs> um, you can have an extra 150000 uh, or an extra 8000 I mean, it's... Ridiculous. Take yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, I suppose it's good, though, because we've had 18% of these people planning to keep it in cash, and only 31% of the respondents um, said that they think market volatility is the biggest threat to their wealth. Not inflation. Not inflation, which I actually uh, think is probably quite a good figure, given what we've all experienced over the last year and a bit. Yes, we have experienced massive volatility. That's no question. Funny enough, though, that's all been replaced by a return to growth. So although there'll be volatility in the future, no doubt, I don't think uh, the story's over and, and people should still regard cash not being king. Yeah, well, I think that sums that up quite nicely. So if we move on now to our second article, this uh, headline says that Switzerland lags behind in crypto. Mm. But we should probably explain what crypto is. So do you want to take the reins on that? I'll have a go. <laughs> um, cryptocurrency is essentially a form of payment like money, except mm -hmm. with one big difference. It's digital and uh, it can only therefore be used online. Mm -hmm. uh, that is using a wonderful technology called, wait for it, blockchain. I see. Yes. Now, blockchain, in effect, is just a ledger. That's really what it is, a digital ledger of each transaction. Mm. For each transaction, uh, in theory at least, the uh, ledger cannot be changed. And that is how these digital currencies work, by having a, an unchangeable public ledger. And in fact, cryptography is really the name given to how the coding works, oh, yeah. computer coding in literal terms. And people store their cryptocurrency in digital wallets. Right. Digital wallets are very much like digital currency. They're not in the physical world, mm -hmm. but they are an online uh, secret store, if you like, with a code. And that, <laughs> that <laughs> that's called a digital key. So just put the word digital in front of everything and you'll sound like a, yeah. a crypto expert. Um, but in practice, the digital key is really important because if anybody loses their digital key, they lose all their cryptocurrency forever. I see. So it could end up being a crypto nightmare. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So, well, yeah, I suppose going back to the article now, Switzerland lags behind in crypto. Well, this article is talking about lagging behind in the latest country rankings of how interested the population is in cryptocurrency. So that's probably done based on how many people hold it um, and other things. But as we know, doing our research for this, that may not be the case that Switzerland lags behind in crypto full stop. No, exactly. In fact, uh, I was very surprised to see actually how far ahead they are in the regulatory sense. Switzerland, only at the end of September this year, has approved its first ever collective investment fund. So quite fund. recent. Yeah, indeed. Uh, but if you look for a contrast, apparently the UK, for example, has twice as many percentage of its population uh, holding cryptocurrencies. Mm. Uh, but the the uh, interesting thing is there are no regulatory approved investment funds. So there's a lot of interest, but no way of fulfilling that interest. And funnily enough, the FCA research shows that over 80% of people who hold crypto actually only have £200 in there. I see. So it's more of a hobby than, a, than an actual... 
investment. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think the problem is the the um, the lack of transparency in terms of things like the financial services compensation scheme. Really important. Yes. Yes, well, with no regulation in the UK, you won't get uh, compensated for any losses. Correct. But so Switzerland, although not lagging behind in regulation, is is it? I, I wouldn't even put it just not lagging behind. I would say they're front runners, almost. Exactly. They're, they're doing the common sense thing and regulating it mm. rather than trying to ignore it and say, don't touch it. Yeah. Um, I mean, for example, you've got Zug here, the canton of Zug, which uh, is actually working with the company Bitcoin Swiss and allowing people to pay wow. up to 100,000 francs in value of their taxes in Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, it's That's important amazing. to note. Yeah, it's amazing. But also important <laughs> to note that partial payments aren't accepted. Right. Um but it turns out that Switzerland actually seems as though it's one of the top <laughs> countries with a friendly regulatory stance on cryptocurrencies. Exactly. It makes me think that the, the, the canton of Zug has, a, has an account with Bitcoin Swiss. <laughs> it's amazing to think of, really. Yeah. Uh, maybe and they consider it an investment. Who knows? Well, yes, but also it's not even the first Swiss region, uh, as the municipalities oh. of Zermatt and Chiasso have right. similar developments to a, to a lesser extent, I believe, but nonetheless <laughs> similar developments in the, in the crypto space. I think we've got a long way to go yet before that happens on a global scale. But oh, that's very really interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> really interesting. Switzerland's certainly not lagging behind going by that. No, certainly not. Uh, and now I think it's time for our finance focus. And for our very first one, we're going to start off with some fun facts uh, about the Swiss economy. Excellent stuff. Well, I've found a few things, Charles, that caught my eye yeah? on some recent... Uh, published information as you as you know i think we all know the the government website in switzerland is full of great information and facts yes indeed yeah um on, on any subject but talking of the economy we we probably know switzerland's famous for watches but mm -hmm. one, one thing that caught my uh, eye especially is the fact that switzerland exports an enormous amount of wait for it coffee oh i, I wasn't expecting that not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> well i'd have gone chocolate Maybe cheese, Maybe I suppose. Cheese, cheese. Yeah. yeah, cheese. Could be. Uh, well, actually, coffee from Switzerland. Obviously, they, they don't bother by the, for the record. They don't grow coffee, to my knowledge. They actually import coffee like everybody else would from the hotter countries that grow the yes. coffee beans. Uh, they're processing it, wrapping it, and sending it off to to the rest of the world, um, including the EU, of course, on its doorstep. Uh, in 2018, there were two billion francs worth of coffee exported, which is wow. two and a half times more than chocolate and three and a half times more than cheese. Wow, so that's that's a bit of a, an underdog, just come out of nowhere. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still not quite matching the watches. I mean, you probably won't be surprised to hear worldwide 21 billion francs of watches are being exported. <laughs> Crikey, yeah, that's less surprising, but still, still very big numbers from a relatively small country. Well, I thought relatively small country and then I started reading up on some of the EU trade statistics and I, I really as, as a recent arrival in Switzerland only a few months ago um, looking at these numbers uh, I'm quite staggered Switzerland is the fourth uh, trading partner after not surprisingly China America can you believe it the UK wow. fourth is Switzerland uh, with the EU and uh, it represents a whopping 6.3% of the trade. And in fact, they're fourth for import and fourth for exports to oh. and from EU. <laughs> That's nice and even. Well, yeah, I mean, UK does uh, very well as well. But of course, UK, bear in mind, is a massive economy compared to, to Switzerland. Yes, definitely. Uh, what, six times the population. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, you, you, you can't really get away from the sheer size in the UK sense. No. But interestingly, the USA is really big. 
And yet, when you look at these numbers, trade with the USA to the EU uh, is 18% of the EU's exports. But actually, Switzerland is 7.4. Now, a country so huge as America, you'd think it would be more than two and a bit times the difference, wouldn't you? But it's not. Yeah, it doesn't seem to scale down very evenly. No, no, I think, of course, Switzerland's got the big advantage. It is literally in the middle of Europe. Rather yeah, than, easy access. <laughs> <laughs> so not surprisingly, they can export and import very easily. Uh, but actually, the sheer volume is is uh, much greater than, than perhaps many people would have thought. Yeah, definitely sounds like it. Uh, so what else have you got for us? Well, uh, picking up on the watches, I know you obviously know I'm going to buy a Swiss watch very soon. <laughs> of course. Um, but actually, uh, that figure of 21 billion made up almost 10% of Swiss's exports in the whole economy, which is I, wow. I find staggering. Yeah, I mean, we all know Swiss watches are famous, but I honestly didn't know they were that uh, remunerative, if that's the right word. No, definitely. Um, but funny enough, just under half the economy is actually exporting, or half the exports, to be more accurate, sorry, uh, chemicals and pharmaceuticals. That's probably not a surprise, is it? We do know no, they're famous for... Yeah, definitely for, not as surprising. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, um, 75% of the whole economy is services and only 25% industrial, which is, you know, I, I thought with the pharmaceutical side, there'd be an industrial base slightly bigger than, mm. than, than it seems. But having said that... What I found heartening, because it's my background, of course, and yours, Charles, Yes, <laughs> uh, is the ratio of SMEs. 99% of businesses in Switzerland are what's called a small, medium-sized enterprise, an SME. 99%. 99%. And that, just to be clear, that, that is defined as a, as, a, as a business that's got up to, or less than, I should say, uh, 250 employees. Wow. <laughs> Still not a huge company. I know 200 employees is, is uh, uh, more than Finance HQ currently has. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, it's not your conglomerate with, you know, 100,000 staff. No, definitely. A huge global bank or something. Um, so, no, really interesting quick facts, I think, on Switzerland. And, and uh, I think to know that you're in an economy that likes chocolate, cheese and coffee, a lot in value terms does cheer me up a bit yes definitely something i'm proud to be a part of <laughs> <laughs> well i think that brings us to the end of our first episode that's gone really quick Goodness yeah me. i know so wow. uh time for our finance joke ah yes the famous one-liners whose idea was this charles uh, I'll, I'll claim it if it's okay. good, and okay. if it's not good, it's it's your fault. <laughs> we'll we'll have to get a, a voting sort of thing yes. on our website, won't we? Yeah. So we'll see what our listeners think. Anyway, to start us off, our first ever finance joke. Here we go. A study of economics usually reveals that the best time to buy anything was last year. <laughs> okay, that one was good. Oh, yeah. excellent. Well, we haven't had any votes yet, but okay, I think I'll this, take that. It was my idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we hope you enjoyed our first episode of Finance HQ, and don't worry, we'll only get better. <laughs> to make sure you always receive notifications of our next podcast, go to our website, www.financehq.ch, and sign up to our mailing list. And remember, we have a no-spam guarantee. Uh, for all your questions, suggestions, or indeed any feedback, just send an email to me, charles, at financehq.ch, or use our contact form on the website. And of course, all of this can be found in the description below. Yes, and thank you for tuning in. And we hope you listen again to Finance HQ. 
Finance HQ podcasts are brought to you by Charles and Edward Mills. Finance HQ does not recommend investments or give financial advice. All discussions are for interest only and do not represent personal financial recommendations. Always take independent financial advice before making any investment decision, ensuring it's relevant to your individual circumstances. Thank you.